Thank you. Um, there we go. Oh. Anyway, thanks for coming out. And um, I would like to do, we, it's always traditional here. And one of the reasons I like to read here is that we always have a Q&A. It's something that I was talking with a friend of mine, <clears throat> uh, another poet, and he was saying that uh, I think the more it's um, rather than the performance aspect to me <clears throat> at a poetry reading, the Q and A is really interesting. So anyway, here we always have a Q and A, so we'll follow this with a Q and A. I prepared just a brief statement um, about the th- the three poems I'm going to read today. Um, <clears throat> at this, at the first poem is called. <clears throat> Uh, Azusa, a sequel. At the start, there's the porch light, a sign not only of kindness, of the kindness of home, but of that far gentler and far kindlier kindness of utopia and the voyage that one undertakes to discover it. As to this, I'd like to recall the closing lines of Adriano Spatola's poem Greenwich, where he writes of a cargo reduced to zero by the journey's telling, undertaken and interrupted by sun on the quadrant of the mind dismantled according to reason. This dismantling is an essential force behind the making of this opening poem and many others in border music. Azusa, a sequel, is a journey based on the Hebrew alphabet and dedicated to the artist Wallace Berman and the poet Stuart Z. Perkoff, early Los Angeles practitioners on the adventurous side of the Kabbalah, that female emanation of God residing in the Hebrew alphabet. So Azusa, some miles to the east of here, which urban legend tells us was born of advertising for a housing development that was reputed to have everything. A to Z in the USA. It's not really. Azusa actually is uh, a Gabrielino indigenous name, Azustra. Um, and it has to do because of the big river valley that it's in the middle of the San Gabriel Valley. But these people, if you look, if you look online, you know these people completely. Whoever the copy, the genius copywriter, completely took over, and uh, the claim was is Ben Benj back here, who's a native, was nodding his head. We, I'd always heard since I came to L.A., it was named after this housing development, A to Z in the USA. No, no. Another porch light left on, another way back, exacting, shimmering along the bone. Another ox or angel, another appetite so grand, its arithmetical value is one. By the way, as many of you know, the the letters in the Hebrew alphabet, like all the Semitic alphabets, actually mean something. Um, A is Aleph, which is the ox that pulls the alphabet, right? B is beta, the house, right? Uh, Beth, I'm sorry, beta in Greek. Beth in Hebrew, the house. The G or C, um, gimel, which becomes gamma in Greek, is the camel, etc. Busted, cracked, the mirror just inside the front door, lost voices on a radio, intermittent ticking, 
and scratching, even a daybreak hillside peacock shriek sometimes leaking through the surface. An easy sound, an entrance no longer there. C or Gimel with an arithmetical value of three where optimists abound, willing to arrange anybody's camel. He slides a hand along the wall, feeling for the switch, then stops, waits for the darkness to sing. Does a divider simply declare a warm source where we suckle and worship? A door where we must move through, as you say, with the fact of our abundant flesh, its arithmetical value rhyming with four? Every day almost the winds move as breath across the city, from west to east to the steep arroyo above the river, adrift and stir whose value is five, an occasional, an occasional trembling of the waters. Five minutes have passed when our subject reappears, flopping behind the wheel and then gone, downhill. Five senses, balancing revelation, whose arithmetical number is six. Given seven cracked mirrors, a gaunt heart, enameled bravissimo, the eyes of the dead, the clamor of snow, our harvest moon speaks but once and hardly means it. Hunger for movement, a stolen bone in the maws of energy, an hour unlike ours that must always come, a plight more venture than romance, in a biz makes audience of us all, and Hamlet of a well-hung Polonius. Is the most impolitely hermetic in the system, in the yawn from hand to eye. Silly bird in the sky, is it a marvel pointing, a history of taking, of talking mostly about oneself, keeping a hand half closed, hollow of the hand translated from Semitic tool to symmetrical kappa, question following like a perfumed skin or moth to sleep. Its arithmetical value is 20. Linking arms in wings, an extension of the sky herself, despite those acoustics of time. Phone any latitude you might, you will probably find laughter, cousin or father. Maybe it's the water, as once it spelled mother in a capital of lunatics whose whispering spills the dashes tricking one to sleep. Water, mother, dribbling a faint smile on our melodrama she doesn't forget. No obstacles but a burning, leaving it all behind. Grandfather, father, son, a progress, a hunger, disoriented and finely symmetrical. Fish by any other name that makes finicky escort. Its arithmetical number is 50. O, the smallest of any sign in the writing, a noise, a jumble, an old heart with an oar, a chaos trapped inside the head, echoing the eye fed in a stormy circle. Pe or pie, meaning mouth, open mouth, creature of repetition. Until near the start, one loots the decision and the dead find esoteric climb to preen-like arrows shot in reverse. Purpose, or is it living? makes for such a poor tool. Question is, impaled on the hook of God, what doesn't seem to be an answer or even much of a question? 
just a history of rocks, of emptiness and terror, the oldest monkey in the book, the arithmetical value is 100. Reversing its head as we perceived it before it was aroused and rowed ashore is the purer climb like music already housed in your wilderness. Who can wait? So it was named the tooth with its impelling music as you called it, gowned, perfumed, jeweled, a sweet rhyme eternal, beauty and truth a snake if there ever was one, with an arithmetical value of 300. There it goes, there it... I'll try. There it goes, there it goes, there it goes, in ever the wrong tempo. Who might tolerate or even sever the hand you cannot kiss if offered nightly on the wind? One grows tired here and there of translation. Victory doesn't deserve the question, since a person plays the piano, the good doctor claims, for the same reason a spider spins webs. Six may be its arithmetical number, but it was love ate the red wheelbarrow. X, you explained, became a slithering hiss echoing through our cosmos. Unripe, my X's knelt like alphabets in your snow, growing remorseful of the future. Then again, Who's plain skittish in the duty of your abrupt school when value is bound for X? <clears throat> Sounds, you exclaim, must be Azusa, the old A to Z in the USA. Zero, zip, nada, almost a perfect start as the blue hour outcries the earth rotating under us and Z, not X, marks the spot. An L.A. poem, if there ever was one, right? I, 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 anyway, yeah. You all laughed in the right places. It must be an L.A. poem. I've read this poem elsewhere and got laughs, if any, in completely different places. But the thing about uh, Polonius and Hamlet is... is, is yeah, anyway. Uh, in the title section of the book, Border Music, the trip goes on with more alphabetic musings here in the form of acrostics using the names of musicians and an occasional poet. Music remains both the means of travel and often the only destination possible in the journey. I'd like to read four short poems from this section. This is the only one in this section. The rest are all for musicians. This is the only one in a section dedicated to a poet, to uh, my friend in New York, Ray De Palma. The Broadway we're talking about there is that Broadway, not the one in San Francisco, where I grew up. Six o'clock. Down there, Caro, just below the window, in sight of your writing desk, is where it lies. Possibly lingers or prevaricates, almost the same when it comes to song long as it measures what it means when it means the swing in one step or honey in the jar, already surrendering to what passes by. Right here, of course, above the heart of it, as elephants haven't thundered up Broadway just yet, Presto unwinds his magic wand slow enough to make us all reappear, 
spooning dreams out before the sun goes down. Poof! And again, noise accumulates until it's just a matter of down here of how disturbing the need to sing. and I can't turn the pages. There we go. Um, This is for a composer named Zoltan Kodalai, and he wrote a composition called Summer Evening. Zounds is just another way for the pleasure of measuring lost seconds, apparently lacking significance in the matter of unrelenting portrayals of significance, almost beyond the realm of bricks and potatoes, notwithstanding anything especially breakable. Key riced, the kindness feels so invasive, or just a brash old sunset heaving the dear dead up by their eyelids, while the rest of us almost obliged to get up and dance, so longingly enwrapped in the whispering shade. Oh, you are the one for me, night and day, day and night, etc., etc., etc. La Bergamasca, which is a, a, a 18th century dance form, 17th, 18th century Italian dance form that then became like a waltz. It was a musical form in Baroque music. It means the, the woman from Bergamo, right? La Bergamasca, for Guido Fink. 17th century Italian violinist and composer Marco Uccellini from country dances of the time Bali Populari, where women and men face across the room, stride toward each other until they are just about to touch, and then back again at varying tempos, occasionally lackadaisical, not often frantic, con facce toste, deadpan, in the rural air. May we too, Rabbi, find love in exile. And the last one of these is from one of my favorite musicians and composers, Thelonious Monk. And um, this isn't a Monk composition. This is my, but I mean, the the song I'm referring to is is a standard, My Foolish Heart. And it's on a great album of Monk's. It's called Monk Standards. And uh, anyway, My Foolish Heart. The truth in the tale, the tale and or teller, here now. Speak up in the wind carving time. Ever lost is everything you couldn't find or found and lost again to that flame of words. Losing it one more last time in the name of growing older. Here, there, now and then. Neglecting to hear anything but that shame of rhyme in the world. Words whistling in time to wind under the fine dazzling bone of something somebody might care to lend a whisper to. Mostly time was when it couldn't be said or wasn't spent in the wind winding up now like a world in those stark hands that know whose lips are much too close to mine. Looks better on the page. <laughs> no, anyway. And... Um, the final section of, of the book is a, a, a poem called Six White Mules. 
Uh, it was mostly written in 2014 at my home in Italy. It's another journey, obviously border music, right? It's another journey, uh, both in and out of time, on both sides of the border, day and night, nine hours ahead, nine hours behind, down a river and along its banks, here and there. As the poet traveler is forever approaching his sleeping love, who, in Wallace Stevens' words, is never forgetting him that kept coming constantly so near. Six white mules. So turning the bend, there are six of them in a high meadow, slapping their tails against the warming light. Sometime later, hauling these words down to the mountain, across continents and ocean to where she dreams and the city sleeps a few more hours. Instead of horses, imagine mules, more sure-footed and untiring. Imagine them, one after another, tugging his heart toward her as she rolls over in her sleep. Incandescent heart, impossible distances, insistent music translating shades of intervening air. Xeric, Xanthus, not terms for the heart or anything that might be pulled so far, so rare. Exactly how to find a way past the eyeball, wrinkled lid and cheeks, to that meadow where morning plays on their flanks, grass deep green as the sleep that welcomes her home. Exhale again. X marks the furiousness she left behind. With heavy heart, the legend always starts, he sets out again. Without much of a plan, but the aging optimism that comes of singing, singing, he points the small craft downstream and pushes off. Without stirring awake, once in the water's grip, she calls out, Will you throw your oars overboard as you did last night? Here, a break in the story. Into town to do shopping, mail postcards, etc., High time for visiting the little library where apparently one can check one's email. He's also been meaning to give some thought to the undertaking, but as with checking his email, he may not have time. How deep the valley as the white mules tug in the cool of early morning sleep. Insisting tonight on gathering clouds over the river, In fact, too much time spent climbing up and down rocks only to be stuck below the ruins of an old mill. In late afternoon sun, the masses of granite make one almost forget the white mules in their solitude. Instead, he must find another way of beginning. The air and heat of day coursing to the pulse of cicadas. There the grass is deepest, glimmering in noon light. The blue fly buzzing in the grass makes its way past the brambles before gliding down and across the gravel road up the meadow to the shed surrounding a patch of dust where the mules are standing, flopping their ears. Each takes a turn pulling his drunken heart, even if it was only mid-June and there is still time to make it all the way to her bed. Each mule in turn and the drunken nightingale knows the upside-down gladness she is dreaming, ending as they begin, unmoving except for their ears and tails. 
moon, she worries in her sleep, how far before you may rollick again at his feet, brash and orange. More than singing, the stillness answers music. Much of her breathing is inaudible, a mountain lake on a summer's evening with six white mules not quite visible in the tall grass on the other side. My darling, she dreams on, so far yet from the moon and me. Unheard words fill the sky with a flurry of forgiving until it's about to turn a deep blue and inside out in a hurry to quiet. Unless she awakens when she's alone on the river, worry a sign of her pessimism and the ease of falling black to sleep. Unhurried the river, bearing him toward her and the rising moon. Longing doesn't have much to do with them. Look at the ears, flick with the same grace as their tails. Lesser comedians would grow abstract, lose themselves in their oddness. Look at them. Indispensable is morning light, wild grass, masses of granite, meadow, river, and moon. Look how still and undisturbed they remain in her sleep. Eventually they stir, realign themselves, the largest moving back a step or two. Each has hauled a lingering song from his evening to her morning, from midnight to yesterday afternoon. Every so often the six appear closer, the current pulling his little craft toward the rising moon. Each looks up as he slides across the shallows. Even so, the gaudy moon is motionless, hung in a dream above the river's ending. Somewhere, just at the end of night, she expects him. She waits as before for those first sounds, the scratch-like peeping, the faintest gray in the treetops. Slowing current as he begins to feel a breeze with the false dawn. She hears, almost certainly, her grandmother's voice singing of the six white mules that carry home even the most faraway heart. South and west he follows the current as the trees start opening and she turns over and sinks back to sleep. Thank you. Q&A. I love Q&A. Yeah. So, Paul, did you intend, um, is it archetypal value is such and such to just be like a chorus? Yeah, it's it's something from, it's, it was something that Perkoff used, and, it, and I checked. It's from the Kabbalah. They, you know, letters are numbers and all that stuff, right? You can number instead of one to twenty. Well, twenty-one, right? Hebrews, and rather than number or Greek, right? You, you you can number with the letters. You know, some scientists used to in in the Renaissance number with letters rather with rather than numbers. Remember, there were, there were because there were two forms of numbers, right, still in use and all that, the Roman and the Arabic and all that nonsense. But anyway, so that's a gimmick. Yes, it is a gimmick of repetition, but it's also the way number repeats the same way alphabets repeat. Yeah. Did you actually make a calculation or did you just... I did, and then I gave up at one point. <laughs> no, when it get, no, over 100, you, it's, it gets too complicated, yeah. But... but 
so, some Kabbalists made the yeah I'm using that Kabbalist's classification for some reason the damn um, uh, shin or whatever the tooth is 300 I have no idea why you know but yeah yeah they made they made somebody somebody made that yeah a long time ago and you had your hand up George when you were uh I'm wondering about the title. I enjoy the title of this book. I wonder what motivated you to call it Border Movement. Oh, okay. Good. Always, as always. Good question, George. Um, well, I, I, you know, there, it goes way back to first times I came to L.A. There was still, just on the other side of the border, they were American radio stations, but... They only played American rock and roll, but they were in Mexico, right? And the most famous of all was on one of these. They were monster stations. They flooded all the airwaves and they encroached, but nobody could do anything because they were in Mexico. And um, the most famous guy was DJ, American DJ named Wolfman Jack. You remember? Uh, but anyway, um, and I thought I always thought of LA as you know it, obviously it's a border place, but the ideas of these musics coming back and forth over the border, and then border music, and then with the whole, you know, once we used to talk about bilingualism, well that's a ridiculous term now, right? It's multilingualism. I mean, and so these borders everywhere where languages are coming across and going back and forth, and and in that I thought of. Um, why is music so important? Because it can cross over borders much better. And then, you know, I mean, I can go on all day and list other reasons. I'm a translator, so I'm always caught in border music, right? Give you a simple example. I was translating something and uh, from Italian, and in Italian, the super, right, is not a, what a super is in American English, right? But a super is a supermarket, I'm, I'm going to the super. Or in fishing, there's a thing called a belly boat that has an inner tube and you sit in it and you know you paddle with fins and you fish from it, right? And I'm going to use my belly boat, you say in English. In Italian, you say, I'm going to use my belly. Because the belly boat is called a belly. It's a, so anyway, all these kind of things to me are involve borders, you know. Yeah, so did I come up? I, yeah, I, I, try, I wrote a bad poem called Border Music, and that I discarded. And then uh, I thought that's what, all, what I've been doing for 10 years. And then, you know, on a technical level, there's the border between poetry and prose, yeah. right? Okay, I knew you were going for that too. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I appreciate you getting there. But yeah, there is on the page, there's some. Experiments, yeah, and goes back and forth between that notion of poetry and prose, and that's another border, right? And and you know, if you go back to the development of, well, English is different because it was an island. But if you go back to the European, most of the Western European languages and the developments there, um, you know, they were just the borders were so unclear. They were just con- all the way through way into the Renaissance, you know, where within the same country you had to have a passport 
in your own country, not to go to another country, that wasn't as important, in your own country, and it, all was, it was all financial, because it all had to do with, um, what do you call it? Um, I know the Italian word, the English word, with customs. The idea of paying customs duty, when you go from, let's say if you go from L.A. to Orange County, you pay customs duty when you go into Orange County because each place had its product, right? And they all had the same product, right? So you, you couldn't bring a pair of shoes from L.A. to Orange County since both places made shoes, et cetera, et cetera. You know, anyway, so all of those kind of crazy things about borders that... And then, no, it had nothing to do with the current terrible use of... Uh, one of the uh, presidential candidates. Yeah. No, that nonsense. I, I just thought of it now. No, so, yeah. Okay. All right. But borders are, are something we talk about all the time. Yeah. I think now more than ever. More than when I was a kid, yeah. for sure. Any other question? Yeah. You said that uh, the, the true meaning of Azusa. Now, what about Tarzan? Now, that, that was named after... William Burroughs? Yeah. No, not William. Yeah. The other Burroughs. Edgar Rice. Edgar Rice, yeah. It's the the leading citizen of that place then. <laughs> but yeah. No, the, the Azusa thing is, I mean, it's been handed down in L.A. as, I mean, all, you know, the first thing. Uh, yeah. You know, and um, anyway, it's Azustra or something like that. It's, I mean, it's you know, it's Gabrielino. They're Shoshones. They're Shoshone Indians, which are one of the big tribes in California, Nevada. And the particular group of Shoshones are called Gabrielinos because they lived along the San Gabriel River in that beautiful valley. And the first mention of it is in 1772 or some damn thing. So in the middle of, by, by 1880, it was Azusa. Yeah, because it was land grant land. It was very valuable land along the river. More than you needed to know about Azusa. But you'll never pass Azusa without thinking, yes. Do which? The letters. Oh, do I have? No, no. I don't know. I'm not big on symbolism. Uh, but they do. Not symbolic. I think. I think uh, allegorical. That is, they stand. One thing stands for another thing. Symbolic stands for a lot of things. And yeah, one thing. No. Yeah, I can. I'll fool around with the meanings. Yeah. But. But yeah, they they all had these allegorical meanings, which are pretty are pretty odd, um, given, you know, given let's say um, European languages. The, the, they had they they were all meanings that had to do mostly with wandering in the desert and all that and that's that's why the the people the really interesting kabbalists um, talk about exile all the time and uh, that the 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 Hebrew alphabet is an exile alphabet they would argue. No, they all have a function. Like I, I, you know, I, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it tells a story in as much as the first one is pulling everything. But then Beth is that, you know, all the other things. I think depends. I mean, I don't. 
I, do, I certainly don't speak Hebrew, and uh, I don't mean contemporary, you know, classical Hebrew. And I, um, and 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 you know, there's been a lot of ink spilled on this subject. Uh, in what, in at least three thousand years, you know. Did you cross paths with Paul's family? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Before he... They, they died within a... They being... Um, Stuart Perkoff died. Uh, he was 44, and Berman died. He was 50. Berman died on his 50th birthday. When did you move to Los Angeles? 68. He died in 75, and Perkoff died in 74. Yeah, and, and, and I... I met... I met Berman through somebody else, through Jack Hirschman, and I met um, uh, Perkoff earlier through a different, another poet, and then, but they were good friends, and then they, I published a, a book of Perkoff's that's called Alphabet, his meditation on the Hebrew alphabet, and Berman did the cover. So it's a really, you know, it's he's an artist that always used, um, not always, but as as he matured and went on, he used the Hebrew alphabet in sculpture and all kinds of stuff, in uh, collages. He was in a, a West Coast assemblage artist. Yeah. You mentioned a poem you discarded. How many poems do you discard? Uh, How do you know when? Oh. Well, you know, with the computer, it's really easy because you oh. just you know. Yeah, well, no, delete. You 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 print out and then you delete. I print it out. I put it in my archive, right? So I know somebody someday, if they're interested, might want to look up at all the discarded poems, and I discard it. But uh, some of them, like border music, I like the idea. I just couldn't do. It. I wasn't good enough to do it. I, I like the idea, so those I keep around and I cannibalize them. For other things, like I cannibalize the title, um, but yeah, they just don't, you know, work. And the only way—that's why I'm, I'm always for revision and for putting things aside. The the only way, um, to me, I figure out they don't work is by you know spending a month, two months with them, and then going back six months, and then maybe finally a year. If if the thing is sneaky, it'll, and then after a year you discard it. But uh, do you work at the keyboard? Or do you no, I I, uh, I do a, I, I write prose at the keyboard. Um, but um, yeah, I, I I can do both. Yeah, do both. But mostly I do it in a in a notebook, and then copy it, and then just keep recopying. But it's so easy, and it's it's in a way it's a lot sloppier. I found I find the computer is is works in many ways detrimental to the writer. I said it. Um, all you got to do is go get an edition from the 70s of a, a book here, an American book on the shelves, say fiction, and get an edition, a book that came out five years ago. The contemporary book is full of typos, full of typos, and there almost isn't a typo in a, in a book printed you know, before 1985, say. And so, you know, I mean, what happened is you just revised by hand over and over and over, right? So now I revise on the computer over and over and over. <laughs> so yeah, it's so it's easier, a lot easier, and it's any other thing you can see it. All right.
Yeah, the older I get, the more I um, get rid of. <laughs> Rather than now having to go back and be embarrassed by, you know, 30, an entire 30 pages of a book. Half the book is embarrassing and half the book is interesting. Yeah, you know. If, if you're doing good, I mean, even worse than that. But, yeah. No, now I tend to, yeah. I second-guess myself a lot more. So, Ed, you have quite a, a number of books of poetry. I was wondering when you decide to, to publish. Um, a book? Yeah, like if you set out with the intention to write a book or if you write... Good question. Really good question. The answer is, the answer is really corny, right? Both. Um, and it depends entirely on the poetry. Some books, like... The interesting thing for me about this book is that there are five chapbooks, actual books of which published now in one place in English. So there's one Italian edition, three American editions, and one French edition of various parts of this book. And those poems that tend to be <clears throat> like the last one I read, that came as a book. You know, it's what? It's about six, seven pages. So it's not a long, long poem, but it's not a, you know, a lyric poem. That project came as a book. Uh, then, probably in my lifetime, out of all the books, so I'm including chapbooks in, those, in that number, uh, maybe five have been collections, and the 28 or whatever, the rest have been projects that I went into it trying to write something. And then I have a drawer full of stuff that's not published. Most of it is bad, but but projects, you know, that didn't work. But a couple are actually interesting. I don't know. They're, they're very odd. But there they are. Well, that is the end of the questions. Paul will be sticking around uh, Even brought a pen. Um, another collection, I assume. Which one? Are there others there? Two. Oh, two is two poems. Okay. <laughs> it's the same publisher. Two. Yeah, two. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's a two eleven. Yeah, and two eleven. Same publisher. So five years apart. Great. Thank you. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.